This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to our church service. Debbie reminded me that there's a holiday coming up in a couple days, and I kind of forgot about it, but it's Valentine's Day. So we're going to start out with a, a little love song here. This is a song that could be spouse to spouse or significant other to significant other, mother to child. Well, you get the, you get what I, where I'm going with this. So, But um, here's our love song we're going to start out with. Tell me why the stars do shine. Tell me why the ivy twines. Tell me why the skies are blue. Then I will tell you just why I love you. Because God made the stars to shine. Because God made the ivy twine. Because God made the skies so blue. Because God made you. That's why I love you. Valentine's Day, everybody. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art If ever I love thee, my Jesus is now. I love thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus is now. I'll love thee in life. I will.
We begin with our call to worship. God plants faith in our hearts. It is the smallest of seeds, but it grows beyond measure and bears much fruit. Welcome to worship, good neighbors. You are listening to Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service, sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of, Churches of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Taig, and thanks today to Jim Haugerud and Debbie Taig, our musicians. Our reader and provider of the children's message is Eileen Flatten, and our recording engineer is Isaac Christensen. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast and at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577, by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. We want to thank WPCA for this broadcast and want to have a few announcements. Uh, next Sunday, our services will be at Deronda Lutheran and would love to see you there. Also, uh, on February 24th, there will be uh, a fish fry at Joy Lutheran in Centuria. And uh, it goes from four to seven or until the fish are gone. And uh, the benefits go to support Lula Point Bible Camp. We're going to be celebrating communion today, so uh, have that ready as we continue with this worship. The church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we are not together in a church building, God continues to be present in the creative and intentional ways that we gather for worship. Therefore, wherever you are at this time, worshiping in Jesus' name, your present location is the church. You want to may have a cloth to lay before you, a candle or a cross. You might enjoy making a small worship space to enhance your at-home worship experience. And you may want to have a Bible handy and or Bibles for the kids as they get ready to be a part of this service. Dedicating this hour to the presence and purposes of God, we worship together with God the Creator, Jesus our Savior, and the Spirit, our breath of life. We continue. We confess our sins before God and one another. Merciful God, Christ came into the world and showed us how to live, but we have failed to live by what he taught. We have not loved you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not done to others as we would have done to ourselves. Shine a light into our hearts that we might turn from the shadows of our sin and walk in your ways. Jesus came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. By his abundant love, all your sins are forgiven, that you might walk in the light of Christ. Amen. We'll continue with our gathering songs. Take time to be holy. Speak 
spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him thou shalt be. Thy friends in thy Take time to be holy, let him be thy guide, and run not before him, whatever be tide. In joy and in sorrow, still follow thy Lord. Take time to be holy, be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive beneath his control. Thus led by his spirit to fountains of love. Let me live, blessed Lord, in the light of your word. Let my life be a light on a hill, leading souls now astray to the straight, narrow way. Help me do some good deed while I My life be a light shining out through the night. May I help struggling ones to the fold, spreading cheer everywhere to the sad and the lone. Let my life be a light to some soul. Give me Every day, every hour, let me drink from the fountain above. Guide my footsteps around through the dark, stormy night. Give me peace, give me joy, give me love. Let my life Souls for my hire, 
Let my life be on fire, shining out to the world as a guide. Help me rescue someone sinking now with no hope that in heaven we shall ever abide. Let my life be a light, shining out. We continue with the litany from Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O God. My soul longs for your house. My heart sings for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. Happy are those who live in your house, who forever sing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart is the road to your home. Good neighbors, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. We continue with the prayer of the day. Gracious God, your Son spoke to us in parables about the nature of your reign. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand that we might be instruments of your peace and justice. Amen. Now I'd encourage you to uh, bless yourself or someone worshiping with you and do it by beginning with a touch on the forehead and use the Trinity formula. Be blessed or I am blessed in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you can add something else that you would like to uh, uh, bless them with, with peace, joy, whatever. So you take this time now to do that. And then we'll turn to the Holy Scriptures and invite Eileen up here to give the children's sermon along with the scripture readings. The first reading is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed great seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the, seed, the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together into the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He put before them another parable. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. Jesus told the crowds all these things in parables. Without a parable, he told them nothing. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth to speak in parables. I will proclaim what has been hidden from the foundation of the world. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evil doers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The second reading is from Psalm 84, verses 1 through 7. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs indeed, it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrows find a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars. O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you and whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it to a place of springs, and the early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. So good morning, boys and girls. It's now time for the children's message, and as I like to say, for all of us who are still children at heart. Have you ever noticed that when we come together for the children's message, I almost always start out by asking you a question. After asking you a question and talking about it for a few minutes, I usually say something like, that reminds me of what Jesus said in our Bible lesson today. Why do you think I do that? Well, it's to help you better understand what the Bible lesson means. Suppose a kindergarten teacher was teaching a lesson about subtraction. The teacher might stand up in front of the class and say, six minus two equals four. Of course, that's true, but to a class of young children that have never been taught about subtraction, they might not understand what the teacher meant. Now, suppose that same teacher showed the class six oranges and said, 
I have six oranges. If I take away two of these oranges, how many do I have left? And we all know the answer is four. Now the class would understand that six minus four, sorry, six minus two equals four. That is the same way that Jesus taught his followers about the kingdom of God. When he taught, he began by saying, the kingdom of God is like, and then he would give an example. That method of teaching is called a parable. The Bible tells us that Jesus used parables to teach people in such a way that they would understand. In fact, in Mark chapter 4, verse 34, it says he never taught without using parables. In the Bible lesson today, we find one of the best known parables of Jesus. It's called the parable of the mustard seed. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? They are really, really small. Jesus began his mustard seed parable by asking, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It's like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of seed, but it becomes the largest of all the plants in the garden. It grows long branches and the birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus was teaching his followers that the kingdom of God had a small beginning. Do you remember how many disciples Jesus started out with? That's right, he began his ministry on earth with a very small group of only 12 followers. But as they followed Jesus and told others about him, the kingdom grew and grew until it covered the whole earth. You might think that you are too small to be an important part of the kingdom of God, but when we tell others about Jesus, we help the kingdom to grow and spread over the whole earth. So when you start to think that you are too small to be an important part in the kingdom of God, remember the parable of the mustard seed. So could you please now bow your head, fold your hands, and join me in prayer. Dear God, we sometimes think we are too small to be important in the kingdom of God. Help us to remember the parable of the mustard seed that we learned about this morning. If we tell others about what Jesus has done for us and what he wants to do for them, we can all be a part in growing the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My best friend is Jesus. Love him, love him. My best friend is Jesus. I love him. My best friend is Jesus. Thank him, thank him. My best friend is Jesus. Thank him. My best friend is Jesus. Praise him, praise him, my best friend is Jesus, praise him. My best friend is Jesus, serve him, serve him, my best friend is Jesus, serve him. My best friend is Jesus, I love him, love him. My best friend is Jesus, I love him. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, 
Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. Well, it's good to be with you again. Uh, just a couple of personal notes. Uh, as many or some of you know, I had my knee uh, replaced two weeks ago, and I just wanted to thank everyone who prayed for me, but also wanted to shout out to the doctors and the nurses and at Amory Hospital and the fine job they did. It was, uh, I really appreciated the care that was given. And my wife has done such a great job too, as I uh, have been recuperating from it. The other thing is I uh, wanted to thank the pastors in the area. I'm, I'm, I, I so enjoy all the pastors who have been here over the last 10, 15 years that I've gotten to know and uh, the cooperation, the support that they give each other is, is so good. And much of even what I say today, dealing with the wheat and the tares parable goes out to people who don't always agree with us on certain things, but we still are in the family or the kingdom of God. And to be able to support and to look and help each other out is such a blessing. The text, as you heard, the wheat and the tares is one that's uh, kind of a dangerous one. It's one that we have to be careful with. Uh, in the narrative, they speak about the expanding kingdom of God and taking that part where uh, we don't judge, and it almost it almost came off as if there is no evil, and there is, you know, we all are sinners and, and and stuff, and so that it doesn't really matter if you're a child of God or not, because you're going to grow with the weeds, and somehow we'll all be fine at the end. And yet, if we take the last part of that parable, we again see that there is a judgment. The danger for us, as people in the church is that we have a tendency to become the ones who judge. We judge others as to whether they are the weeds, whether they really belong in the kingdom, and sometimes we do some very harmful things. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in speaking to pastors, said this in his book, Life Together, a pastor should not complain about their congregation, certainly never to other people, but also not to God. A congregation has not been entrusted to them in order that they should become its accuser before God and man. And as pastors, that's one of the things we have to watch, but it also is for each of us that we need to be careful about what we say about others in our parish. It's easy to get frustrated and angry sometimes. It seems like on little things and sometimes on pretty important things. And we forget the main thing about how we are here together. And the kingdom of God is much bigger and is much broader. And God is much more accepting than we are so much of the time. After all, he accepted us. He accepted you and me as we are. So I was looking at it and I thought of a few things. I think one is we need to remember that when we get ornery, with other people or judge and we want to tear apart and get kick the weeds out we destroy other people's lives 
not just the one who might get kicked out, but those who love that person who have been caring for them, and they become angry and frustrated, and they end up leaving the church or the kingdom as well as others who have been tied with them. Uh, at certain points in the Alps, they say, tourists are cautioned by the guides not to speak or sing or even whisper. The faintest sound or even a slight breath may start a reverberation in the air, which would loosen a delicately balanced avalanche on the mountain and bring it crashing down on the village and field below. It's a parable about the spoken word, isn't it? A single word may cause someone much more heartache and difficult difficulty that one could possibly imagine. We really need to understand and respect those who we live with. Jesus is saying, let them grow together. Don't tear out the weeds because it will hurt even those who are our believers, who are our good seed or the wheat. So we need to understand when we get judging and when we get angry and bitter towards others, sometimes, all too often, we are destroying what the kingdom of God is all about. If you look at uh, Martin uh, Bell and his uh, book as to who we are, when he talks about the ragtag army, we get to hear things about how we contrast ourselves with how the world looks at us. When I see pictures in North Korea or Germany, uh, different parts of the world where the military are, you see them all marching in a straight line and they all kick their feet up at the same time and uh, they all have the same step and you, you are amazed at the organization and how well they do it. And that's what we call the army and they're marching. Then sometimes when we take a picture of what God has as his army, it's a little different as Bell speaks about it in his Way of the Wolf. He says, I think God must be very old and very tired. Maybe he used to look splendid and fine in his general's uniform, but no more. He's been on the march a long time, you know. And look at his ragtag little army. All he has for soldiers are you and me. Dumb little army, listen. The drumbeat isn't even regular. Everyone is out of step. And there, you see, God stopping, or keeps stopping along the way to pick up one of his tinier soldiers who decided to wander off and play with a frog, or, or on a field, or whose foot got tangled in the underbrush. Uh, he's never going to get anywhere that way. And yet, the march goes on. Do you see how the... Uh, these marchers have broken up into little groups. Look at that group up near the front. Now there's a snappy outfit. They all look pretty much alike. At least they're in step with each other. That's something. Only they're not wearing their shoes. They're carrying them in their hands. Silly little band. They won't get far before God will have to stop again. Or how about that other group over there? They're all holding hands as they march. The only trouble with this is the men on each end of the line pretty soon realize that one of their hands isn't holding onto anything. One hand is reaching empty, alone, and so they hold hands with each other. And everybody marches around in circles. And more people holding hands, the bigger the circle. And of course, the bigger the cir circle 
is deceptive because as we march along, it looks like we're going someplace, but we're not. And so God must stop again. You see what I mean? He'll never get anywhere that way. If God were more sensible, he'd take his little army and shape them up. Why, who ever heard of a soldier stopping to romp in a field? It's ridiculous. But even more absurd is a general who will stop the march of eternity to go and bring him back. But that's God for you. His is no endless empty marching. He is going somewhere. His steps are deliberate and purposeful. He may be old, he may be tired, but he knows where he's going. And he means to take every last one of his tiny soldiers with him. Only they aren't going on any forced marches. And after all, there are frogs and flowers and thorns and underbrush, underbrush along the way. Yet even though our foreheads have been signed with the sign of the cross, we are human. And most of us are afraid and lonely and would, be, would like to be to hold hands or to cry or run away. And we don't know where we are going and we can't seem to trust God, especially when it's dark out and we can't see him. And he won't go on without us. And that's why it's taking so long. Listen, the drumbeat isn't even regular. Everyone is out of step. And there you see, God keeps stopping along the way to pick up one of his tinier soldiers who decided to wander off, play with a frog, or run in a file, or whose foot got tangled in the underbrush. He'll never get anywhere that way. And yet, the march goes on. I don't know if you like that picture or not. Sometimes we, I think we really want to say, come on, let's get our act together. Let's move forward. And, and we have so many young people, and I know I was one of them, who wanted to see the church move much faster than it does. And I'm still a little bit that way. I want to see things change, and I want to see them change now. But it takes time. It takes understanding. It takes care, and it takes love and to include everybody so that we keep moving on. You see, we get distracted when we start judging and looking at others. But God keeps pulling us back into the kingdom, saying there's more to this group than you know. The other thing is, when we judge others, we have a tendency to be divided. And how hard that is when we become divided. We, we lose sight of who we are and what we should be doing, and we end up going in different directions, and God has to keep working hard to bring us back. And I'm afraid sometimes, by being divided, we lose sight of what our mission is. One of the parables, again, I'd like that's been used a lot is by... Henry Wydell, and it's a parable of the lighthouse. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occur, there was a once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut and there was only one boat. But the few devoted members kept a constant watch over the sea and with no thought for themselves, they went out day and night tirelessly searching for the lost. Many lives were saved by this wonderful little station so it became famous. Some of those who were saved and various others in the surrounding areas 
wanted to become associated with the station and give of their time and money and effort for the support of its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The Little Life Station grew. Some of the new members of the Life Station, though, weren't happy or were unhappy that the building was so crude and so poorly equipped. They felt that it needed a more comfortable place and it should be provided as the first refuge for those saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with beds and put finer furniture in an enlarged building. Now the life-saving station became a popular gathering place for its members, and they redecorated it beautifully and furnished it as some sort of a club. Less of the members are now interested in going to sea on life-saving missions, so they hired lifeboat crews to do their work. The mission of life-saving is still given lip service, but most are too busy or lack the necessary commitment to take part in the life-saving activities personally. About this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, and half-drowned people. They were dirty and sick, and some of them had black skin and some spoke a strange language, and the beautiful new club was considerably messed up. So, the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside the club where victims of shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal life pattern of the club. But some members insisted that life-saving was their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called the life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that if they wanted to save the life of all the various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. They did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. They evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. But if you visit that seacoast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along that shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters. Only now, most of the people drown. What is our mission? How do we as a church become this people? Yeah, we might be ragtag, we may not have everything in order, but how do we welcome people? How do we help that little mustard seed grow so that we aren't divided, that we aren't destroying people's lives and are not distracted from our mission as to who we are as God's people who have a wonderful message of sharing of grace and mercy and it's life-saving for people. And not just people that look like us, act like us, or clean themselves up before they come to us, but it's for everybody that we meet. We encourage, we welcome, we ask them, do they want to join? Do they want to hear the good news? Do they want to be a part of the kingdom of God that accepts and loves and moves in grace in our lives? You see, that small mustard seed is a welcoming seed. It's a kindness seed. It's a supportive seed. It's an encouraging seed. It's a seed that welcomes people and brings people into the kingdom so that life is active 
in their life. Bread is found to be eaten and shared together. Oh, we have a marvelous mission, the people of God. But let's not be distracted. Let's not be divided. Let's not destroy by being judgmental. But may the fruits of the Spirit live and grow in us deeply so there can be a healthy, growing, vibrant people of God and all know that they are welcome and accepted and loved by you and me, but most of all, by God. Blessings as you continue your journey of sharing the life, enhancing the life-saving grace of God. Amen. Break now the bread of life, dear Lord, to me. As thou didst break the loaves beside the continue with the confession of our faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. that our Savior Jesus Christ hears us when we pray, we lift up the church, the world, and all in need. Gracious God, your Son Jesus spoke of your reign in terms of the littlest things, yeast, mustard seeds, that utterly transform all they touch. Help us to sow your love and justice in the world that all might see you in all things. Merciful God, you hear our prayer. You have called us to be stewards of your creation. Teach us to protect all green and growing things, from mustard seeds to giant sequoias and the ecosystems that sustain them and us. Merciful God, you hear our prayer. Give leaders throughout the world the humility not to assume that their people are the wheat and other peoples are the weeds. Commit them to the nurture of all people without judgment. Merciful God, you hear our prayer. Dear Jesus, we know you are among us now and always. As you healed the sick and infirm during your ministry on earth, we ask that you would bring healing and wholeness to all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, especially Kelsey Zamuda, Randy Goglin, Pat and Lucille Trofe, Helen Erickson, Shirley Lenz, Wayne Jones, Gary Fredrickson, Julie Dubois, Jim Wade, Rachel Seacrest, Jill Haugerud, Scott Morgan, Arlene Johnson, Matt Crerup, Ida Martinson, Jean Hoisington, Clara Garish, Lee and Maury Nicholson, Becky Anderson, Helen Jorgensen, and Artie Langness. Merciful God, you hear our prayer. Keep us ever mindful of the victims of state violence, oppression, and injustice in our nation and the world. Kindle in us a passion to work for your justice for all people. Merciful God, you hear our prayer. We remember with thanksgiving all the saints who planted their faith in our hearts like the tiniest of seeds and watched it grow into strong, fruit-bearing trees. Merciful God, you hear our prayer. Receive our prayers and hold all for whom we pray in your loving arms. 
In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, your home congregation, a synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors. So we give our offering and then let us pray. Gracious and holy God, bless these tithes and offerings we have given for the sake of the kingdom. Let the grace and generosity of the Father be the light that guides us, the compassion of the Son be the love that inspires us, and the presence of the Spirit be the power that moves us. We again will then share our faith again with Holy Communion. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body broken for you. Do this as oft as you eat in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the wine, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. Now let us taste and see that the Lord is good. Take the bread or wafer and as you eat it, hear this promise from Jesus the body of Christ broken for you. Take the wine or grape juice, and as you drink it, hear this promise from Jesus, the blood of Christ shed for you. Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you to life everlasting. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you a favor and grant you peace. Amen. Be not dismayed, whatever God will take care of you.
All you may need, He will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Thank you for listening to A Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amory, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. God will take care of you. Lean weary one.